It's the 16th of April, 2022. And it's also the one pra, the lunar observance day of the full moon. And so we've come together to listen to the chanting of the Vinaya, the 227 rules of the Patimokha. So this word Patimokha, if we split that up, Pati means the opening to, or the beginning of a path, and moka means freedom. And so this pati moka, it's the path to freedom. And so we follow this, um, training in sila, and through following this. So wisdom arises for us due to the presence of samadhi. The benefit of uh, developing samadhi is the arising of wisdom. And when wisdom comes up, then we gain vimuti, liberation. But in order for, for that samadhi to be firmly established, we need good sila, we need virtue. And just like a building, that building needs a strong foundation. And if it isn't strong, then it won't be able to stand up. So for us in this present day, the requisites are plentiful. We may have a great, um, there may be a lot of wealth coming in. Maybe some people have much duties, a high position, status. But all the same, we need that foundation of sila. And if our sila isn't well kept, then problems will arise. And just like that building that doesn't have a strong foundation. So the sila virtue, it results in the cultivation of samadhi and wisdom, in turn leading to freedom. So therefore being restrained within this virtue of the padimokha is very important. And for those who um, have, for those who have this faith to ordain and to practice. So we need to give time to that, um, need to give time to the practice, and that's something that we get, is time to practice from our ordination, because our lives as monks depends upon others. We get these requisites of uh, clothing and shelter, and food and medicine uh, from the faithful laity who come to offer them to us. And see, Thailand is by and large a Buddhist country. Most people here are Buddhist. And we also have the leader of this country, the king, who supports Buddhism. And really, he supports all religions in this country. And within Buddhism, he supports every single aspect, the aspect of the studying of the scriptures and the kind of Buddhist theory, the studying of the Pali language, and also supports the monks who are practicing as well. And so this helps to 
support others, that the leader is acting in this way, practicing in this way, and so the civil servants and the rest of the population follow the king. So he has faith to do this, and we in return uh, get to abide under the cool shade of the Buddhist religion. And so we have time to practice, to train. So this sila virtue, it's the wealth of the monastics, and it's something that we need to look after and protect well, right from the first day that we ordain. And upon our ordination we get this wealth of sila, that's something that's given to us and it doesn't come easily. Before we ordain, we may really consider this decision a lot, really think it over and think it through again. And um, that's what it's like for everyone who comes to ordain. For those who ordain at a young age, they have one kind of thought. And for those who ordain at old age, they have another kind of thought, of thinking. And they can go through these thoughts um, over and over, what it's going to be like. How am I going to be able to survive as a monk? What am I going to eat? Because I don't get to choose my food. And the food that comes in, the things that we get, that depends upon other people. And then sometimes the people ordaining have illnesses as well. They have diabetes or high blood pressure or stomach illnesses. And so the life of a samana, the monastic, it's not easy. But eventually, kind of come to the decision, the conclusion that, all right, well, we'll just do it. We'll give this one life and throw away all our duties throw away the salary that we once had. Maybe for some of the monks before they came to ordain, they were earning a um, hundred thousand baht per month or over. And so it can be a difficult decision to make. Really think it through, consider it a lot, and that's especially so for the monastics who come from overseas. They have to give it twice the amount of consideration staying in a hot place, just like now the weather's very hot, you need to fight with that, coming from a cool country. And sometimes when the weather gets down then to low temperatures, and the teacher can say that we'll turn on the heater now, because they're afraid that it'll get too cold, even though it's very expensive uh, to uh, use the heater. Also, the food changes, the weather changes, uh, their friends they don't have like they did, and um, need to adjust to many, many things. The language isn't the same, you have to learn new language. And sometimes it takes many years to adjust. And some monks get diarrhea very easily, and many things that they eat um, cause illnesses, the body reacts badly to that. And um, so this food can be bad for their health. And so it's really not easy to make this decision to ordain. But once we have ordained, 
we gain a very good opportunity, this chance to put in effort, um, to come together and to kind of fulfill our duties in terms of the schedule, in terms of the ways of practice of the monastery. Because if we're able to do these things by ourselves, um, just relying upon ourselves, then it's not really necessary to join together for the morning and evening chanting. If we're able to wake ourselves up at 3 a.m. and practice, go on arms round, eat all the food um, just in our bowls, and speak very little, put in a lot of effort. And in the early days of Vodnambapong, Ajahn Chah's monastery, they would just have the evening drinks once every 15 days. And even then it wasn't very much, it was just cocoa and coffee. But now we're inundated with these evening drinks. And so the, you see that before the barami of uh, these monastics was a lot, but now it's reducing. And still here at this monastery of Wat Mapjan, we're trying to maintain the standards uh, that Ajahn Chah has set down, coming together for the morning and evening chantings. Not chatting with each other, just speaking a little, sleeping a little. Because if we talk a lot, we speak, or we sleep a lot, then that wastes the time that we could otherwise be using to put in effort otherwise be using to do walking meditation and sitting meditation. If there are duties to fulfill within the Sangha, then we do that uh, to the fullest of our efforts, really put our hearts into that. And then through that, our practice of meditation uh, quickens, it progresses quickly. And for monks, we come together, we get to know each other through these monastic activities and we express the kindness that we have for one another. And if we have this metta for each other, then we can stay together in harmony. And seeing how the monks from overseas and the Thai monks, they're just the same, they're not different. Because all of us want to be free from suffering just the same. That desire is there within all our hearts. We're friends in old age, sickness and death, just the same. We can trust each other because we all keep sila, we're all virtuous. And just like many different flowers that have been gathered together and strung together into a garland. And there's a great beauty to that. And so we come from many different cultures and countries, different uh, statuses that we had, different languages that we can speak. And we can come together like this, stay together like this. Because we know that within the Dhamma, there's no me, there's no mine. It's just ignorance that separates out things like this. And like these bodies of ours, if we just look on the surface, and we see that they have different complexions, different skin colors. But if we peel the skin off, then the color of everyone's body is the same. There's no male, there's no female, there's no country. It's all red, just the same.
And so if we have the skin on, then it appears to be different. But if we peel that off, then we all have blood underneath just the same. Or we can separate these bodies out into their elements. And all of us have four elements just the same. We all have ignorance in our minds just the same. And when we gain knowledge within our hearts, then this Buddha, the Buddha nature, arises for us just the same. So therefore the Dhamma doesn't separate out. It's ignorance that separates things out into this and that. And through that, then chaos arises, and that happens whenever and wherever ignorance separates things out. If there are just two people staying together like this, then it's chaotic because they're discriminating, they're separating out into me and you. And the more people there are, then the more chaotic it gets. You don't have kindness for one another, and everything just turns into a mess. So when we receive any of the requisites, then we pull that together, all of those together, into a um, kind of communal place, a communal fund. And, and then through that, because of that, uh, we don't fight about gains, there's no squabbling. And this is a method of practice that comes from uh, Wat Nambapong, from Ajahn Chah, who told us to, whatever we receive, then we kind of put that together into the communal supply. If we get offered any evening drinks, um, then we give that over to the communal supply. And this is how we live together. We don't just have it um, just for ourselves. Because if we do, then um, chaos arises within the community. So the opportunity that we have now is a very good one. We have this chance to repay the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, repay those people of great faith in the Buddha-sasana who have supported us. And how can we do that? We need to train these minds well. At the very least, we have great forbearance within sila, within virtue. And we know that that's not easy to do. You really have to struggle against all of these old feelings, all of these uh, defilements that have been with us for so long. But it's something we have to be sincere in. We need to train and be composed, have caution over any sights. We try not to look at things a lot, but rather stay composed and restrained. If we see something and we feel a liking towards that, then we need to immediately be restrained and composed. And if there's a liking towards something, a sight, then we don't look at it a second time. The first time it's normal, but we don't look at it again. And the same with listening to sounds. If there's something kind of pleasing, then we restrain ourselves. We train ourselves like this. Eating just the right amount, not eating too much. And knowing what it is that we like, what it is that we dislike, the things, the food items that we like, we have just a small amount, 
The things we don't like, we can take a lot of those. The things that we feel neutral towards, um, then we can um, just have a moderate amount of those, because those things, they don't cause any problems for our health. So we need to, well by doing this, we're training ourselves to go against the stream of our feelings, of our desires. Seeing is suffering going to come up. If we don't get what we want, do we suffer? And so we should try this out, training like this, being awake through our efforts, eating just enough, not too much. And there was one monk who used to eat a huge amount. He would eat until he was over full and then feel really uncomfortable. But he couldn't restrain himself, he couldn't stop himself. So he'd eat far too much. And then he would put his finger down his throat and then vomit that food up. And then he felt some ease after that. But he's not here anymore, he's disrobed already. And so we need to know what's enough in terms of the food that we take. And we also don't eat too little or too much. So the same with our sleep. No sense of, en of enoughness within that. And with both the sleep that we take during the day and the night, it shouldn't be more than six hours. If our health is strong, then we can get by on five and a half hours. And that's how I used to train. During the day I would sleep for maybe 45 minutes or one hour. And then at night, I'd go to sleep at 10.30 and wake up at 3 a.m. So we eat little, sleep little, awaken ourselves through effort. And this is the practice, which is not wrong, it's correct. So where do the defilements arise? It's when the external sense media meets with the uh, sense organs. So we need to be watching over our minds like this, taking care of our minds, being restrained in the Padimokha, which is the path that takes us to freedom. So may you set your hearts on this, walking this path, training in this way. And if you do, then you will see the Dhamma for sure. These are the ways of practices that the great teachers have practiced themselves. They've gained results from these ways of practice themselves. And they've passed these ways of practice on to us. And so we don't need to doubt them. So may you be sincere in this. <laughs>